Welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine. This is the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm JC. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. And uh, I wanted to piggyback on a little bit about what we talked about on the last episode. We talked a little bit about myths and superstitions here in central Appalachia. And as we get a little closer to Halloween and we see all the... uh, crazy legend shows on on Travel Channel, for example, and, and sci-fi. Uh, it kind of reminded me of some things from my own childhood about just weird superstitions that uh, I noticed, you know, from grandparents, my father, things like that. And, uh, you know, as I was, I was looking into some things this week that were unique superstitions here in Appalachia that, frankly, I didn't know were unique to Appalachia. I just thought they were superstitions in general. <clears throat> but I wanted to, you know, kind of talk a little bit about what makes those apple those those things unique to Appalachia. Recently, I read um, a really really interesting um, point of view about our Appalachian mountains, and I can't remember exactly where I read it, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what I read. It said our entire Appalachian atmosphere is doused in local tradition, mysterious legends, and stereotypes from outside. It's not just a geographical region, but it's also a cultural region. And that's very, very true. Uh, It's also a place where locals will tell you that the wind will whisper stories uh, from the mountains, if you know how to listen. So when I read that, like the first thing I thought about is um, White Top Mountain over in Grayson County, Virginia. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to uh, White Top Mountain. It is actually, it's a truly a pleasure to go to that, that place. Um, and I'll ask, you know, you as a listener this, and, and feel free to talk back with us um, through email or Facebook. Um, let us know um, what, what you think about the podcast and about the, about the topics. But do you have a special place that you like to go to just to clear your head, to think? Some people go for a drive. Some people go fishing. Some people go for a hike. Uh, there's a couple of places that I like to go sometimes just to, whether I'm stressed or not in life, just to go and just sit and listen to the wind. One is up at South Holston Dam over in Bristol, and the other is the peak of White Top Mountain. Now, uh, White Top Mountain, actually, there's a, I've read some conflicting things about White Top Mountain. I always thought that White Top, which is near Damascus, Virginia, I always thought that it was the second highest mountain peak in Virginia, but I think I uh, was actually wrong about that. Well, actually, I was confused about that. Uh, Mount Rogers is actually the, the tallest peak, and White Top Mountain is actually in the uh, Mount Rogers uh, National Recreational Area of the Jefferson National Forest, actually. And um, it actually, if you're in the area of Grayson County, Smith County, or Washington County, you probably know where it's at. Um, but it's actually the second highest independent mountain in the state of Virginia after Mount Rogers. But there's another peak there on Mount Rogers that's higher than, um, than Mount, than White Top. So that was actually the confusion. So actually White Top would be the third highest peak in Virginia. Um, but the second highest independent mountain that makes any sense anyway there's a anyway it's a beautiful location up there uh 
and there's an old road that leads up. You can if you if you're near Damascus, it's not hard to find. But there's an old um, gravel road. They actually they keep it up fairly well. But if you're in a low sitting car, you you want to watch for jutting rocks coming out because you can you can tear your tires up if you're not careful. But uh, it reminded me of that. You know that the stories from the mountains they'll whisper to you if you know how to listen. The wind will whisper them to you. So it's a beautiful location. Um, what brought that up is actually earlier today I posted um, a picture up on our Facebook page. And that's uh, facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia. And I like I love to take pictures. Everywhere I go, I love to take pictures. But I'm not a very good photographer, I'm going to admit that. But um, So I just use a standard digital camera or my cell phone and you know, I try to try to capture the essence of what Appalachia is in some of these photos that I take. Um, but you, you really want to rely on more professional photographers for those kind of things. But I was wondering, you know, all the people that follow us on Facebook and those of you that listen to the podcast, what kind of pictures have you taken that you felt captures the essence of Appalachia? Maybe not all of Appalachia, but you're part of Appalachia. Uh, and definitely share those with us. We'd love to share them on our Facebook page. So uh, jump on there and feel free and uh, uh, jump onto that post and share those. Or email them to me at jc at supportappalachia.org uh, with your name and location, and I'll, I'll post the picture up and uh, give you credit for it. Um, but uh, one of the things that I always wanted to do, I, I never got an opportunity uh, to take my dad up to Actually, one time I got an opportunity to take my dad up to White Top Mountain. Uh, this was before he got really sick. But uh, once we got to the top of White Top, we sat up there and just listened to the wind. And I noticed on the way there, uh, this cat ran out in front of us. It's a black cat. And, of course, there's always superstitions about black cats. Um, and uh, I was wondering why this cat was, when we were on our way up, up the mountain, up the, the gravel road, we were actually near uh, what, what's called Buzzard Rock, if you've been there. Um it's a separate peak on White Top Mountain, but when you get to the top, there's actually a little parking area, and you can look down on it. And if you're up there, take your binoculars, because you can actually see from... It's not at the very peak peak. You have to hike up a little bit. Um, but it's uh, you can see three states, North Carolina and Tennessee and, of course, Virginia. So it's, it's amazing. So take your... And you can see the little town of Damascus uh, down below. But as we're going up there, this black cat dashes right across in front of us. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. My dad's superstitious. And up at the corner of the window, he was sitting in the passenger seat, makes an X three times. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird, right? So, I, he, But he's done that my entire life. And then I remember seeing my grandfather do that one time, his dad. And I thought, what the heck is with with that? You know, what kind of you know superstition is that? So I just assumed it was a superstition over black cats in general. But as it turned out, I was doing some digging on just this week. I decided to look some things up on this. That is actually an Appalachian thing. I had no clue. So you may remember some of the things your grandparents did or your parents did uh, that were superstitious, that were an Appalachian thing. And I can't really find anywhere where I can find a you know collection of all these you know all these superstitions that are unique to Appalachia. Uh, but, it, but it would be great to have some place to, to source that. But if you, you know, also if you have those superstitions, you want to share those with us, jump on our Facebook and let us know. But uh, you know, um, 
it was a real urgency when my dad would do that. And I would ask him, like, why are you doing that three times? Apparently, you had to do that three times before the cat actually crossed all the way in front of you to ward off any bad luck. Um, and that was just kind of like an ominous sign uh, to Southern Appalachians and, and Central Appalachians here. Um, but he said it wouldn't work unless you made it three times before the cat reached the other side of the road. So you got to do it quick, you know. <laughs> I didn't. I had, you know, to cancel out bad luck. Had no clue. Um, but that practice was, I found out, one of um, quite a few that were passed down from, you know, his parents and grandparents over the years, and probably you know my mother's side as well. I'm sure I've, I've heard all kinds of little Appalachian uh, slang from her and, and uh, um, just just old tales, you know. Um, but. Yeah, one of the another one was like not leaving. If you go into one door, you have to leave out the same door. All right, that was um, that was another way to ward off bad luck. And also, not rocking or not nudging an empty rocking chair. For some reason, that that made people uncomfortable. So that was another Appalachian superstition. I don't know if it's you're afraid of ghosts. If you start rocking it, maybe. Uh, when I think of rocking chairs, I think of the front porch, you know, uh, here in Appalachia where people sit and sing and play their guitars, sip their iced tea, you know, just and to this day, you know, not just from my grandparents era, but to this day. Um, so I was wondering how many people actually adhere to these superstitions and which ones I'm, I'm sure a lot of them have faded over the years. Uh, kind of like the one with the black cat and the, the three X's on the, on the window. Um, but you know, a lot of people still remain overly cautious. And, uh, actually I, I had a neighbor when I was a young uh, guy, um, that, uh, anytime a black cat would cross her path, she would immediately turn around and head back home and stay in the entire day. Uh, because she was afraid of like, getting into trouble or some bad luck. You know, so, so definitely that was erring on the side of caution. That was yeah, that was a lady that lived near me when I was, my gosh, maybe 10 or 12. Um, she just didn't want to tempt fate, I guess. But there are a lot of other uh, old stories out there. Uh, another one is um, some who pass by a cemetery might hold their breath. to uh, and I always thought that was peculiar. But apparently it was to avoid inhaling the soul of someone whose body was recently buried. I found out that was kind of an Appalachian thing. Um, now I don't know how over the decades, you know, that may have spread outside of our region, but you know, others gather acorns uh, during a thunderstorm and put them on the windowsill to protect from lightning strikes. Had no clue that that was uniquely Appalachian. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard of that one, but that's something that I heard from my grandmother on my mother's side when I was a kid. And, uh, there are those who, uh, have apple trees that, uh, leave a single apple hanging after they, um, I guess what do you call it, harvest the tree at the end of the year. You know, they, they make sure they pull all the apples down except for one apple because I guess it was, uh, you know, Garden of Eden thing. They didn't want to attract the devil. So I guess maybe these are all just, you know, ways of avoiding bad luck. But, you know, some some superstitions, I guess, were relatively insignificant, um, like... 
for for example, this was another one that I'd, I'd read somewhere that if you if you see a rabbit uh, before sunrise, uh, people believe that unhappiness will hang over your entire day. Uh, or seeing an owl during the day or, or peering into your window is a bad sign of, of impending death of someone, not necessarily yourself, but someone. Uh, or a, a church bell that rings without anybody ringing it, maybe it's blown by the wind, is a warning that someone in the church is going to die soon. Or the pre if you have a, a bat in your home, if you've got a bat in your home, um, that forces the occupants to leave or someone will die. Those are some really crazy superstitions, but nonetheless, I actually tracked them back to uh, reading about them. I was, I would read one and then I'd stumble upon another. And these were all things that were tied to Appalachia. Um, there was also, uh, since, well, since I was a kid, there was um, some beliefs that were really rooted in religion and Particularly, I guess, among, well, we're heavily populated by Irish and Scots-Irish and, um, and probably to a lesser degree, uh, German settlers at the time. But, um, you know, when you look at superstition, I guess, is it really, is it kind of an irrational belief? Maybe from fear that's brought on by fear that's, you know, held on, we hold on to these things over the years without any kind of real foundation that they're actually true. But if you're a baseball fan, you find superstition everywhere in that sport. Um, you know, like if, you, if you're on a winning streak, you don't change socks, for example. Um, so, I mean, even today, I guess some of these practices would raise eyebrows because I guess people get educated over time. These, these legends, they sort of, they get watered down over time. They become urban legends, just thing of things of tall tales and jokes. Um, but uh, yeah, well, here's an example of one uh, that I was reading about. Midwives from Scotland were said to give a newborn a, a pinch of ash while they breastfed them for the first time uh, to give them protection against witchcraft for their life. And Irish immigrants were known to spit on their babies to bring uh, good luck. Now that's that's kind of an odd thing, but um, but given, you know, the, uh, the vast number of Irish and Scotch Irish in this region that, you know, it's not, I guess it's not surprising that's uniquely Appalachian, um, you know, might seem absurd, but, um, the, actually another one was, uh, one notion was that leaving wash diapers on a clothesline overnight could attract evil forces. So you couldn't leave your child's diapers out to dry on a, on a line overnight. I guess whatever worked, you know, you couldn't, I guess back then you couldn't convince people otherwise, uh, especially people that hold on to these, these beliefs. But, um, you know, it's, uh, these are probably still entrenched in some parts of the country more than others. And um, because of our geographic location and, you know, just these mountains that uh, kind of keep us isolated from a lot of outside influences, uh, maybe that's one reason why these tradition, these traditions and superstitions have held on for as long as they have. Um, but you know, it's nonetheless these are these are really interesting superstitions, and I just kind of want to piggyback on the last edition episode that we had uh, talking about them 
because the more I read about them, the more fascinated I've, I've gotten by them. But uh, what uh, what superstitions and and uh, you know tall tales and legends have uh, have have uh, been in your family? What have, what have you heard about from your grandparents, great grandparents? What what traditions have survived? Um, you know, especially as we go into the holidays, there's so many traditions that are Appalachian, uniquely Appalachian, that uh, um, are very much worth the exploring and enjoying and talking about. So this is an amazing time of year. For those of you, those of us here in Central Appalachia, so definitely, definitely enjoy it. Uh, make sure you share uh, these thoughts with us, and uh, and especially the photographs if you have any that you want to share with us. We'd certainly love to do that. Tune in uh, next time. We'll we'll find another interesting topic. Maybe we'll actually find a writer that's uh, written about some of these Appalachian superstitions, and we can have them as a guest. I'll uh, I'll be on the lookout. If you have any suggestions for anybody you'd like us to talk to or interview here on the podcast, definitely let us know. And thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you down the road.